Hello, my name's Joe, and I'm the producer and recording engineer of sorts of DB Comedy Presents The Electables. This would normally be the time that we would make our next drop in our presidential series. And for those of you that have been keeping up, you know the next president is a biggie, Abe Lincoln. In fact, he's so big and so important that we're doing two episodes. So we're going to hold the first episode for a week from now. And then we'll have the second episode one week later. So you're going to get a back-to-back Abe Lincoln doozy before we go on to Andrew Johnson. Now, we are super appreciative and super happy that you continue to listen to us. So as a reward, we're going to give you a little bonus. Two special discussions of Lincoln with a trio of Abe Lincoln historians. Our in-house historians, Dr. Chelsea Denote and James McRae, and a special guest historian, Dr. Matthew Norman, who is a specialist in the Civil War and Reconstruction at the University of Cincinnati. You'll hear all three of them, as well as a bonus sketch just for listening today. So stick around, listen to those, and after you're done listening to this mini-episode, why don't you take some time and go back to some of our other episodes? We do have 15 presidents and special episodes on inaugurations and pandemics. And by the way, if you like what you'll hear, please like us, give us stars, subscribe, and tell your friends. Let's make the algorithms happy. Enjoy! Hey, James and Chelsea, has (laughs) Michigan tried to claim any piece of Lincoln yet? (laughs) Our thing here in Michigan is that we're the birthplace of the Republican Party. On, under the Oaks in Jackson, Michigan. You're telling people that? <laughs> well, this was the, the good Repub- Republican Party. This was the yeah. Republican Party that Abe Lincoln helped co-found, I do believe, yeah. that uh, eventually opposed slavery. Uh, it sounds like you've got a story about that, James. Uh, and other than many other places also claim to be the birthplace of the Republican Party. Um <laughs> Well, you know, Matt, I actually want, kind of want to go back a little bit. Uh, well, actually, Chelsea wanted to oh, say. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say that uh, um, the Henry Ford in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, has a, a reconstructed courthouse that Lincoln once was in. <laughs> and that's literally what the sign says. Like He, he once was he there. Once was there. And, and of course, well, and also the chair he was assassinated in. Yep. Oh, yeah, wow. claim to fame. Oh, very nice. The actual <laughs> chair, or just a reproduction. Real chair, real blood. Wow, that's, that's that's cool. we, see, we oh. couldn't even get that for the uh, the Springfield Lincoln uh, yeah. Presidential Library. We just have a re- reconstruction. <laughs> All you have is like a dubious hat. A dubious hat and like a weird reconstruction of the booth from Ford's Theater, uh, <laughs> with like a, so with like speak. a manic with a mannequin of John Wilkes Booth. And for some reason, they translated uh, Six Semper Tyrannis. Oh, so he like says it in English? <laughs> yeah, so, so like, like they have like a big poster on the wall where it's like, John Wilkes Booth's famous saying, thus always to tyrants. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> but he said it in Latin. He, he did that on purpose. <laughs> this also seems more like an exhibit to John Wilkes Booth than to Lincoln. <laughs> Troubling. You know, they're all- looking mannequin. And I was just going to mention that Chelsea and I used to walk our dogs in a park here in Chicago 
that was one of the how one of the uh, hotels I believe lodges that he stayed at during his tour of Illinois during this, the Lincoln Douglas debates. Yes, um, Coda is very afraid of the young Lincoln statue. He's far <laughs> too large. It's big, which is far big. too large. Reign of Pod is a heavy metal interviewed podcast. Any opinions expressed therein are those of your host, Nils Thunderson. Reign of Pod is sponsored this week by Casper Mattress. Use our special code to mosh stomp your way to a good night's sleep. Yeah! Folks, it is my Satan-given honor to introduce our special guest tonight. Throw up your horns for the one, the only, Bloodsmith! Um, it's actually a Caleb, uh, Smith. You're not the Nordic black metal band Bloodsmith. Uh, no, I don't even know what that means. Actually, I'm Abraham Lincoln, secretary of the interior, Caleb B. Smith. But the B, it stands for blood. Yeah, Caleb Blood. Smith. Disappointing, but also tight as hell. Since you're here, tell us how eager you were to serve in Lincoln's cabinet, protecting our important and beautiful natural resources. Oh, honestly, I'm really not that into it. I had my deputy secretary do most of the work. Rockin'. But you got to see the Emancipation Proclamation pass, because there's nothing more metal than breaking those chains that bind, y'all. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hated that. I almost resigned over it, actually, but, you know, it's a lot of paperwork. That's all the time we have for Reign of Pod this week. Special thanks to Bloodsmith for joining us. Next week, we're going to talk shop with Blackstone Waterhouse, who is either a Seattle crust punk band or one of the first African-American legislators from Arkansas. Yeah! This is jumping ahead a little bit, but I, one of the really interesting stories I want to explore when we explore the, the post-Lincoln Republicans is the transition of the Republican Party from a very interventionist um, economic agenda in the 1860s versus the Republican Party to the um, you know, much more laissez-faire and, and much more kind of uh, the, you know, the, the grasp of injury or, or industry around the throat of the Republican Party in the 1870s and 1880s, I think is, is a really interesting, although I, I am going to argue inevitable um, transition for the Republican Party. James is our resident economist. Yes. <laughs> true. I, well, I, I feel like that's the rest of the the rest of the 19th century is Republicans oh. moving well, moving closer and closer to the modern Republican, like, uh, free enterprise, laissez-faire party. And I think that really... Well, except also, for tariff I think mania. Hayes, I think Hayes is really the one that, personally, you, uh, I believe Hayes is the one that really seals that deal. Well, it's an interesting story, and... Uh, 
you know, Grant, who is much maligned, but I think he's, his reputation has been improving again, because each generation writes its own history. And uh, now when I teach Grant, I've always taught Grant this way, but it's becoming more mainstream is that for a long time in textbooks, and you still see this in textbooks, Grant is kind of dismissed as this horrible president who was corrupt. And drunk. And a, and a drunk, and he butchered his men during the Civil War. And, and re-elected in a landslide in 1872. Well, and but the thing is that Grant was our greatest president on the issue of civil rights until Lyndon Johnson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By far. And uh, this, this all goes to what we were saying earlier about uh, white Southerners embracing Lincoln. You know, they're, they're doing that for political reasons because this is part of a, a bizarre bargain that uh, white people in the North and white people in the South, and I'm speaking in very broad terms here, but most of them, not all, made this bargain to reconcile. And there was a high price for this reconciliation. And that price was that the federal government would not interfere with race relations in the South. And the Republican Party found, once you get into Grant's second term, that this continued military occupation of the South, the continued use of federal force to take on terrorist groups like the Ku Klux Klan and these other white supremacist terrorist organizations, that was a losing issue. And that Americans, even in in the Northern states by the early 1870s were tired of this. And we fought a civil war that cost hundreds of thousands of lives. Why are we continuing with this project of reconstruction? Why can't we just let these Southerners take care of these issues themselves? And you have an economic recession in the early 1870s and these growing charges of corruption against Grant and Republicans started losing and they lost control of Congress for the first time since the start of the Civil War in the 1874 elections. And that's, I think, when you start to see at least some of them really shifting, although some had even broken away to run against Grant in 1872. And there were Democrats at the end of the Civil War who said, well, with the ratification of the 13th Amendment, I guess the Republican Party is going to go away. What, What issues do they have left? Well, they had Reconstruction. But then when you have the ratification of the the 14th Amendment and then the 15th Amendment in in 1870, there were even a lot of old hardcore abolitionists who said, well, our work is done. The 15th Amendment has been ratified. Uh, There's nothing left to do. DV Comedy presents The Electables. This mini episode was produced by Gina Bacola, Sandy Bikowski, Joseph Fedorko, Sylvia Mann, Paul Moulton, Patrick J. Riley, and Tommy Spears. This episode sketch was written by Patrick J. Riley and performed by Paul Moulton, Patrick J. Riley, and Tommy Spears. This episode's historians, Dr. Chelsea Deneau, James McRae, and Dr. Matthew Norman. Original music written and performed by Throop McClurg. Audio production by Joseph Fedorko. Sound effects produced at freesound.org. Contributions to DB Comedy are accepted by going to the DB Comedy donation page at fracturedatlas.org, the nonprofit fiscal sponsor of DB Comedy. Donations are tax deductible to the fullest extent allowed by law. For more information on DB Comedy and the electables, visit 
visit DB Comedy's host page on Simplecast.com and at DB Comedy or Democracy Burlesque on Facebook. Again, thanks for listening, downloading, subscribing. Don't forget to like.